It's the football, 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 and sometimes other sports show. Here's your host, AJ Nicoletti. What up? FFFSOSS.com. At FFFSOSS for Instagram. What's up? How's everybody doing out there? Big show on this Thursday. We got some NFL headlines to talk about. Then we'll look ahead to NFL Week 7. Look ahead to College Football Week 8. And we got footy back this weekend, which is great. So we'll go across Europe's five leagues and we'll do star pool locks and pick six. I've been watching more baseball, but I haven't watched all of it. So I don't want to give takes. Um, but I guess I would say I'm rooting for the Rangers and the Diamondbacks because I think the Phillies are a great story, but I don't want to see Philly win anything. No offense to Philly. Um, and, you know, I hate Houston. So there you go with that. Uh, so maybe we'll talk about World Series next week, but. NFL headlines, NFL Week 7 preview, college football week 8 preview, weekend soccer preview, Sarah Pulaks, and pick six on this edition of the pot. So kick it off, NFL headlines, Commissioner Goodell inks an extension through 2027. Not surprising to me. Um, these owners kind of just sit there and make a lot of money, and this guy is just the face of it, and he gets all the criticism the owners don't get the criticism. He gets it. Um, yeah, they pay him a lot of money to be the face of that criticism. But, hey, man, it's a lot of money. I think I'd be the face of the criticism for that much money. But, shoot. Um, Goodell, the commissioner now through 2020. I think his deal was up after next season. So, I think it was up in, like, February 2025, I think it was. So, I think he gets two more years. So, on top of what he's already had. So the commissioner of the NFL going nowhere for the time being. Speaking of the owners, the owners have approved a proposal to move in-person head coaching interviews after the season to postpone them to after the division round of the playoffs, which honestly I think is really good because so many coaches – don't get opportunities because so many teams hire coaches so quickly. Um, and then if the job is still open by the time you're in like the division round or conference, like, you know, who's getting the job. Then it's down to one of the coordinators on one of the four or five, 16, whatever it is, teams left. Right. So you've seen this with coordinators, maybe on like a Monday or a Tuesday interviewing first, you know, three to six hours with the team you're like hey man we could have used you on, in meetings today like i understand you know they let you go and you have permission but like you know we got a big game sunday we're 60 minutes from a super bowl play. you know what i mean so um i think this helps i think this helps the situation now some injury news andy richardson is going to be out for the season after undergoing surgery on his shoulder i think it's the right move a uh, guy that's that physical to kind of rehab him just to throw him back into the fire when you want him to be that physical guy. I think you're going to need surgery to have him be, you know, fully confident in his shoulder, you know, going to the ground or, you know, getting hit or getting, you know, having that get fallen on. So 
him being out for the season, I think it makes a lot of sense for the Colts. A, a team that, again, I don't think is going anywhere with this regime. I'm not sure about the coach. I'm not really sold on Richardson, to be honest with you. But in that division, when it's wide open, you know, if you discount Jackson a little bit like a lot of people do, Tennessee's done a good job in that division with Rabel, but they're gonna they're in the middle of like a transition. You can see it as clear as day. And Houston, they just hired a new guy and they're doing pretty well, winning some games. So in the preseason, a lot of people had the hype, especially if Richardson was gonna work out and Taylor was gonna be ready to go, but then he went on IR and there was more um you know Scenarios happening in Indy. The owner's obviously crazy, as we know. But Richardson out for the season. I think it's the right move for the Colts. I think it's the right move for him. If you want to be that physical kind of running quarterback, you got to be healthy. And to play not at 100% as a rookie with that style, that's not a good idea. So that's a good job by the Colts shutting him down. Kyler Murray is going to... Uh, start practicing for the Cardinals. So his um, his calendar begins now. He's practicing to come off IR and play. A lot of people think he's eyeing like not this week but next week to play. So we'll see about Kyler Murray coming in for Dobbs, who's deputized him. Aaron Rodgers, two Jets notes here. He's eyeing to return this season. I think everybody kind of saw that with his attitude. You know, going on McAfee after the injury and all that kind of stuff. And the things he said and tweeted. And uh, I'll be back. And, you know, it's always darkest before the dog. He's doing all the Batman stuff. So, um, and to see him throwing on the field was insane. But, hey, you know, maybe it could happen. So, he is um, eyeing return this season. Now, the Jets also made some news on Wednesday. They're trading Cole Hartman back to the Chiefs. Uh, for a draft pick, and it clearly didn't work out with Michael Harmon. I think it's been tough for some of the other receivers besides, like, a Garrett Wilson who's been with Zach Wilson has a little bit of chemistry with him, you know, like Lazard and Cobb. Like, some of those other guys have not struggled, but they haven't had the seasons they would want to have, that's for sure. So, Hardman got beat out by the kid from Hard Knocks pretty much, so they send him back to the Chiefs. Listen, I think it's an opportunity for him because – you know, after seeing Tyreek Hill go, Hardman did emerge as a guy that could make plays besides Travis Kelsey for that team, right? And Juju helped as well. So, But they're both gone, but now Hardman's back. So there you go. All right, uh, let's get into our NFL Week 7 preview. Six teams on the bye. Carolina, Cincinnati, Dallas, Houston, the New York Football Jets, and the Tennessee Titans. So six teams on the bye. Thursday night, we get started with Jacksonville and New Orleans. Lawrence is questionable right now for the Jags, but I think for Jacksonville and for New Orleans, to be fair, this is a game where you say, okay, if you want to be a team that goes and wins your division, you go across conference and beat a team that's similar to you or maybe a little less than you or maybe a little bit better than you, depending on who you are, right? So for either team, I think that's their approach to this game in Jacksonville. You know, keep winning football games. Keep, tr you know, putting wins together. Because I don't think Houston is going to be sustainable. 
And I don't think Tennessee is going to be bad for the whole season. But if Jacksonville can pile up some wins early on in the season and put that division away early on, that's really good for them going forward. They can rest some guys on the stretch and all that kind of stuff, right? It's healthy. Uh, you know, get healthy. Lawrence questionable for this one. For New Orleans, Carr's been good in spots. Olave's been good in spots since they got Kamara back. Their offense has been a little bit better, but Carr's been banged up. You know, they still have the package for Taysom Hill. They do a nice job of defensively. They got players, but they've gotten older. It's an interesting game. I think short week. For me, I'm going to lean towards Jacksonville. I think they're the better team. I think Peterson is a better coach than Allen. It's not a knock on Allen. I think he's a good coordinator. I just don't think he's a head coach. So give me Jacksonville on Thursday night. Low scoring game. Cleveland and Indianapolis. Watson doubtful again. I, I guess you got to go with P.J. Walker. He just beat the Niners for you, right? So, backups in this one. Walker versus Minshew. You got to see for Indy, Taylor getting more reps and, and getting more of the, you know, offensive touches. Because, yeah, Zach Moss had a touchdown and had, you know, maybe technically better stats than Taylor last week. But, that was because they were down, what, 21-6 in the second quarter and at halftime. So they really couldn't run the ball because um, the clock was stopping. So weird game for Indy last week. They got off to a really, really bad start that it kind of changed their game plan, especially with bringing Taylor you know, back up at reps and touches and all that kind of stuff. So this one is an interesting one for me. Taylor's the best player on the field. But Miles Garrett is really, really good. Cleveland defense has shown you something. They did a really great job against the Niners. I know it was in, like, tough conditions, and then the Niners got a bunch of injuries. I don't care. Like, that was still – they did a great job against that Niner team um, and kept their team in it and then eventually won the game. So, I'm just going to lean Indy at home because I think Taylor's the best player, and they're at home. And Minshew is better than P.J. Walker. So, Buffalo goes to New England. New England used to own Buffalo. Tom Brady used to own Buffalo, and now it's kind of flipped a little bit with the Bills, you know, hanging it on the Pats a couple times, most notably in that postseason game. Bills go to Gillette. Allen and company coming off a game that a lot of people are saying they should have lost or at least had another down to lose it, right? Um, for the, for the Giants to win it with a no PI call on that last play of the game, the untimed down. But Buffalo is really good defensively, even without Milano. You've seen how they can adjust. The safeties are so good. You know, White and Milano are going to be gigantic injuries for sure, but they do have a lot that they could make up on that defense. You know, Vaughn comes back in. Oliver's been good. So, Buffalo's really, really good. New England, I just don't see it getting better for Mack in that offense until they get better and healthier on the offensive line. And they give him some options because I understand, you know, if you're Devontae Parker or Kendrick Bourne or Juju, you're not getting a lot of touches and you're not getting a lot of 
opportunities to you know make plays or whatever but then when Mac just delivers a ball down the sideline for Devontae Parker and he just drops it like you got to make a play for your guy so as much as I like am concerned about Mac Jones I just don't think he's been in a position to succeed given the offensive line and given the wide receiver talent around him now the tight ends are good the backs have been good enough but wide receiver and offensive line have really hurt the Pats in my opinion so I think Buffalo gets right a good defense in New England, but Allen, to me, doesn't have back-to-back, you know, eh, weeks. So give me Josh Allen the Bills here. Vegas goes to Soldier Field to take on the Chicago Bears. Bears, Bears, Bears. Fields is doubtful. Um, Garoppolo is out, I'm pretty sure. So we got another battle of the backups, most likely, in Chicago. Bad game. Um... I guess it's the Raiders. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Max Crosby is the best player on the field. He's outstanding. So I'll go Vegas for a defensive win. Washington and the New York football giants at MetLife. Daniel Jones is doubtful in this one, so we could see Tyrod Taylor again. Commies coming off a win in Atlanta where they held off the Falcons. They gave him three opportunities to try to tie the game uh, with a touchdown two-point conversion in Atlanta. Turned him over on downs and threw two picks, Ritter did. So that's how Washington got out of Atlanta with a win. I think they beat the Giants because the Giants, I think, are going to quit on the coach soon because the coach, I'm not going to use the F word. as I'm not going to say he's a fraud. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say he's fraudulent. I'm not going to say he's a bald fraud. I'm not going to say those things. However, you got to do the coaching in the locker room, especially when it's negative, especially when your team is struggling. Because other players don't need you to see, don't need to see you dogging the backup quarterback going into the locker room at halftime. Like, if you want to coach him in the locker room, hey, what the hell are you doing? You know, fine. But to go up to him and to just give it to him for like what? 70 yards walking into the tunnel. He's going to lose that that team soon. He's going to lose that locker room. And he did it to Jones. He threw the laptop at him, the, the tablet. So, listen. It's not like the Giants. Like, the Giants have not been a good football team. They have not played complimentary football for a long time. I understand they made the playoffs. I understand Dable was coach of the year. Barkley never plays a full season. Sterling Shepard never plays a full season. The offensive line has been shambles. Defensively, they get players, but then they never have enough players on the other side of the ball to get a full team. They fall in love with the coaches, and then they struggle. So what's going to happen with Dable? I don't know. But... I'll tell you this. I think Washington comes up to MetLife, finds a way to win a football game. Atlanta and Tampa Bay. Atlanta has really disappointed me in a lot of games. Whether that's, you know, leaving me short on overs and just playing some really bad football. Tampa, I don't want to say has surprised me because I, I thought that division was up for grabs between Atlanta, New Orleans, and Tampa. 
if one of those teams can get their stuff together, they can, you know, win that division going away if they, they're actually a good football team because then the other two are bad. And we know Carolina's going to stink, okay? So I'm not necessarily surprised by Tampa. A lot of that Super Bowl team is still there because they are so talented. And Bake has, Bake has shown that he can play, okay, at this level. He's shown so much that he can play at this level. Now, Atlanta has talent, has a you know solid enough defense, I would say. But Ritter is killing them. He's making very bad decisions with the football. And with teams when you have talented guys and you have schemes to get those guys the football and you're either forcing it to them when it's not there or not looking at them when it should be them, that's hurting your football team. You know, that's like in basketball when you got a guy who's got to shoot the ball for you and you get an open shot for for him and then he doesn't shoot it. And you're like, hey, you got to shoot that ball. You're open, right? Uh, it's the same thing here. Hey, you got you to gotta check that down to Robinson because he can make that linebacker miss. We can get the first down and we can keep this drive alive instead of trying to force it to pits. It gets tipped and then it gets intercepted. So... Um, Atlanta, to me, is a team that, again, I think could compete for this division and still can. Because Atlanta, Tampa, and New Orleans, no one has really shocked me and run away with it yet. Tampa tried, and they lost to Detroit. So, at home, for Tampa, I think they find a way to bounce back after the loss against Detroit. Atlanta has not shown me enough on the road let alone at home, to be honest. So, give me Tampa. Detroit-Baltimore. This was a good game last year. right? I'm pretty sure it was last year. When Tucker hit the crossbar and then it went in to win it. I think Detroit is a better team this year. I don't think the Ravens are as good. I think the Ravens have accumulated four wins. And again, you play who you play. I'm not saying like that. But let's look at the Ravens. They beat the Texans, the Bengals early. They lost to the Colts. They beat a Browns team that stinks, whatever. They lost to the Steelers. They beat the Titans in London. Okay? Their back half of the schedule is pretty tough. Holy. Um, but this Lions game, to me, because the Bengals stink early in the season. This is their toughest game. This is the best team they're going to play against so far. And the Lions have almost exclusively played good teams. <laughs> and teams that you can look at and say, hey, you know, that's a good win for the Lions. That's a good win for the Lions. That's a good Right? So you look at the Lions schedule and who they've beaten. And they... Started with that win against the Chiefs. They lose a tough game to Seattle that they shouldn't have lost at home. They beat the Falcons. They beat the Packers. They beat the Panthers. They beat the Bucks. Now, or is that murderer's row? No, not necessarily, but a lot of people think the Packers still are good. And the Bucks are a good football team. Now, they lost to Seattle. They should have won that game. I, I, that would have helped my point for sure. But they control the game against the Falcons. 
They go to Green Bay and win. That's a good game. That's a good win. So uh, my point stands. I was right. All right. So I like Detroit in that one, to be honest. I think their defense can get to Lamar. I think they can be disciplined with Aaron Glenn calling that defense. And then I think offensively, even though Montgomery and Gears have been banged up, they found a way with Goff to do enough to win football games. Arizona and Seattle. Uh, this has to be a win for Seattle if they're going to do anything to compete for the postseason. I don't think they're that good of a football team. Um, and I think I'm a, I was a year early on saying they're not a good football team. Even though, you know, last year it's not like they won the division went to the playoffs or anything, right? So I think Arizona is really bad until they get Murray back and the the dynamicism of him at that position can radically change their offense. I know Dobbs has done a nice job, but they've won one game and they jumped on the Cowboys, and if the Cowboys had any heart or good coaching, they would have never lost that game. So, the fact that the Cardinals got that one is still crazy to me. It's going to be a blemish on this Cowboy team forever, but it is what it is. So, Seattle wins this game. Pittsburgh and L.A. Pittsburgh coming off the bye. It's an interesting game for me. L.A. Wins the game against the Cardinals last week. Stafford and Cup connecting. But the injuries to the L.A. backs concerns me. And Pittsburgh, I feel like, plays close games. I think it will be a close game. Tight. But I do think the Rams find a way to win the game. And whether that's a... Rams score to put them up, you know, seven and then take it gets intercepted or something happens there, possibly. Um, but I think it'll be a tight enough game. I think it'll be a good game. Give me the Rams. Green Bay and Denver. Green Bay's got to get back on track. Um, some of these losses have been unfortunate for them. They've let teams kind of jump on them early and they've had to come back and fight back until the final. Uh, the clock strikes zeros, but Denver's bad. Denver's a bad football team. I don't care what anybody says. I like Sean Payton a lot, but Russ, the game has passed him. He doesn't throw the ball like he used to. Um, the Denver defense hasn't necessarily impressed me a ton. They've done the job in a lot of games, but then they don't get off the field in a big spot, and you're like, ugh, it's got to be tough. Green Bay's got to find a way to win a football game. I think they do. The Chargers coming off the Monday night loss to the Cowboys. Chiefs at home off the mini bye win over the Broncos last Thursday. You know, we haven't seen the 42, you know, 45-42 that we want to see out of these teams. I think we're due for that. I think we're due for a shootout again with these two teams. I don't think we get a lot of, you know, because what happens in these games is they know they got to score, so they go for it fourth and goal from the one, and they turn it over on downs, and you're like, oh, my God, we got no points. We're never going to get the over. And then there's field goals instead of touchdowns. I think we're due for an absolute up-and-down touchdown fest. And I hope we get it in this Charger-Chief game. 
Herbert missed a bunch of guys against the Cowboy defense. The Cowboy defense didn't make a ton of plays until basically the last two plays of the game for them with the Parsons sack and the Gilmore strip uh, pick. But they made the plays when they had to. Kansas City defense has shown me that they are back. They blitz. Herbert's not bad against the blitz because he does throw it to one-on-one coverage. He's like, I trust my guys. The Mike Williams injury does hurt, of course. He's that physical type receiver that they need. But Palmer's been good in his absence, to be fair. To be fair. Chiefs, it's tough for them to lose at home. They've already lost one at home. I don't think they lose this one at home. Shootout, Chiefs win it. Sunday night, we got a great football game. I mean, Sunday night, there's going to be a lot of people waiting all day for Sunday night. Dolphins go to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles. Kelly Greenweed for the Eagles. Gigantic game. A lot of people saying Super Bowl preview, possibly. I could see it for sure. Dolphins are a hell of a football team. And I think they will... I don't want to say expose the Eagle defense because I don't think they get killed or anything like that. I think it'll be a good game. But I think Miami finds a way to win this game. Agent being out is, is, is big, but... They still have so much speed. Yeah, it's like they blew one tire, but they have other tires. You know what I mean? Philly coming off the loss against the Jets where they didn't play a good game and still could have won. And a lot of the times, those great teams, those next-level teams, those 1% teams, like they don't lose that game. So the Eagles losing that game, maybe they're not in that 1%. Maybe they're not coming out of the NFC this year. Maybe it is a different Eagles team than last year. Some of the things I've been saying. So I think the Eagle defense will be tested big time with the motions, with the speed. And I think the Miami defense isn't getting a ton of love. You know, I know Phyllis has been in and out. Chubb, to me, has been good. Wilkins is excellent. Sealer's great on that D-line. Baker and Van Ginkle can play. Ramsey's talking about practicing soon and coming back, which would be big. But they got Howard, Holland on the back end. They have players. And I love the coach. You know I love the coach. So, I think Miami goes into Philly, gets the road win. And the Eagles lose two in a row. Monday night, San Francisco tries to bounce back against that loss against Cleveland. Minnesota coming off their win against the Bears. Minnesota's a bad team. I told you they're a bad team. Niners bounce back in a big way on Monday night. Now, am I saying they're putting up 40? Or, no. But this could be, you know, 24-6. Um, 27-10. You know, something along those lines where Niners control the game, turn over the Vikings a bunch of times, no turnovers from them, Purdy writes the ship, and they play a, a clean-cut road game, get a decisive win, and come home. Like, that's what I'm kind of expecting out of the Niners in this one. Just a professional road win 
in the National Football League. Get it done. Get on a plane. Come home. Get ready for the next week. That's what I'm kind of thinking about for the Monday night game for the San Francisco 49ers. Not a high-scoring game, but Niners control and find a way to win it. All right, let's go to the student-athletes college football week eight preview. Another week, another top 10 showdown in college football. This one's in the Big Ten. Number seven, Penn State travels to the Horseshoe to take on number three, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Ryan Day is 4-0 against Penn State with a double-digit margin of victory. That kind of surprised me, to be honest, because I felt like Penn State has picked them off since Ryan Day's been coached, but he has not. Um, He's not been picked off by Penn State. So um, this is an interesting one for me. I don't really like either school, as you know. Um, Penn State, I have bet on, and Ohio State, I have bet on, so I'm not going to say that. Um, But I don't really like either program. I think everybody knows that. I don't really like either coach. I think everybody knows that. But in this one, I think I have to root for Penn State. And I don't think they're going to win. Because the game Ohio State should have lost was the Notre Dame game. And teams like Ohio State, you know, they only play maybe one to two games they should lose a year, right? And we already know one of them is going to be Michigan for Ohio State because they lost that two years in a row. But the game that they probably should have lost was the Notre Dame game. Penn State. Coming into this one, we know it's a tough environment in the shoe. They have beaten them there, we know. But it's very, very difficult. Now, I think we got two really good quarterbacks. Alaire coming in for Penn State, McCord for the Buckeyes. It's a very, very, very intriguing matchup. I th- I, it's almost like which defense can get a couple stops. Which defense can consistently get off the field and give their offense an opportunity because Ohio State has been tested in the Notre Dame, Notre Dame game. I don't think Penn State necessarily has played that caliber of opponent. You know, like, yeah, they dismantled Iowa. They killed them. And Iowa could be a really, really good football team. A lot of people are saying that that's their only loss of the season. They'll play in the Big Ten Championship game, whatever. But Penn State's kind of handled everybody. Now they play a team that is second best or not the best team they'll play in the regular season. And they haven't necessarily been tested like the team they're playing has. Now, if this was a home game, I would love Penn State. I'm probably going to root for them, but I don't think they're going to win. I think Ohio State finds a way because they found a way in South Bend. Like, they should not have won that game. I know they were leading, and, you know, the Notre Dame team came back in the second half with some big plays. But they should have won that game. They should have won that game. I think because 
They should have won that game. They win this game. Ohio State at home. I think it's tough. I think it's tight. I think it might get off to a slow start, but then we wind up in the 20s somehow. So Ohio State at home, I think, is the winner of that game. Third Saturday in October means it is time for Tennessee and Bama. Okay? Uh, a great, great rivalry in the SEC, as we know. Two interesting quarterbacks that have had their criticisms and, you know, praise when they've, you know, deserved both, in my opinion. Milton for Tennessee comes in trying to lead the Vols to a win in T-Town. Milrow at home. I think over, you know, maybe not last week so much because they let Arkansas back in that game and didn't put them away. But the week before, Milrow showed me some big throws, some big plays, some big moments where I said, okay, maybe maybe it's turned the corner for this kid and Tommy Reese, and he trusts him, and he's, he's opening up the playbook more, and they're doing more things that are designed and not designed, right? So it's an interesting game. I just don't see Bama losing at home again. Like, they're a team that you could just see people being like, yeah, well, they lost to Texas, and they could have lost and they could have lost to this team, and they could have lost to that, but then they'll just have one win or one loss at the end of the, you know, at the end of the season. You're like, well, you got to put them in. So is it the best Bama team I've ever seen? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But they're good enough to beat Tennessee at home. Duke and FSU. If Riley Leonard is back for Duke, they got a shot in this one. Because I think they can score with Florida State if it gets like that with Riley Leonard. I think Elko is a better coach than Norvell. Norvell is an excellent recruiter, but Elko has just shown you. I mean, he just coaches the snot out of these kids. <laughs> he gets every ounce of them in this team for the Blue Devils. So if Riley Leonard is back, Duke has a shot in this thing, no doubt in my mind. But if he's not playing, Travis could, you know, dictate the pace of this game and dictate the score, and then it could get ugly. Because um, Florida State has been known to hammer a lot of teams when they're good, right? So they didn't put Virginia Tech away a couple of weeks ago, right? But you could see them putting Duke away, especially if Rylander doesn't play. All right, Pac-12. Number 14, Utah, goes to the Coliseum to take on number 18, USC, who dropped dramatically in the rankings off that buck kicking for Notre Dame. Still no Cam Rising for the Utes, but Barnes has won the job back from Johnson, it seems like, for... Coach Whittingham and the Utes. So that's the storyline coming into the Coliseum. I expect USC to bounce back. Defensively, they were just trampled, mainly because offensively, they just kept giving the ball away with the turnover after turnover after turnover after turnover, right? So I think that slows down. I think USC does win the game. But they're going to be in a four quarters of hell. Because Utah doesn't give anything away. Especially in this league. Because they came into this league and people were like, yeah, they can't compete against these. And they've 
been in the title game a bunch, right? So I think this is a spot for USC where they're going to suffer. It's going to be tough, but they'll find a way to win a game. All right. Rest of the ranked matchups. Michigan goes to Michigan State. Listen, this could get really ugly because Michigan has owed Michigan State a couple beatdowns, and this could be one. This could be really ugly. Um, Arizona State against Washington. A lot of people calling for a letdown spot for Washington here, but I think Arizona State has shown that they can score a little bit, but Washington can really score. And even if they're struggling with the talent they have at receiver, it just takes like one slant or one broken tackle on an out or a quick move after a button hook where busted coverage as a touchdown, you know? So maybe Arizona State can hang around. Maybe they put up some points, but Washington wins the game going away. UCF against Oklahoma. A lot of people say Oklahoma have two, has two games every week. <laughs> Whoever the Sooners play in the Nasty game, <laughs> which is so funny. They were probably loving it Saturday night. There's the shots of Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley on the sideline. <laughs> oh, man, the Sooners fans are probably going crazy for that one. They welcome in UCF to Norman. UCF's not ready for Big 12. They're not ready for Oklahoma. Oklahoma's going to kill them. Texas against Houston. Texas has to win all their games, we know, um, after losing Red River. That could be an entertaining game with Dana Holgerson. His Houston Cougs can put it up, as we know. So, um, that could be an exciting game, but Texas should win. Oregon coming off the loss against Wazoo. If this game was on the Palouse, I'd be a little worried. But they just left Seattle, so obviously they would not go away to both Wazoo and, and uh, Washington. So, they come home to Eugene. I expect Oregon to bounce back. It's not like they It's not like they laid an egg. They had every opportunity to possibly win that game and they had an opportunity to tie it with the last play of the game since it's overtime. Um But I do think they bounce back here. I'm expecting a big showing from the Oregon Ducks. Give me the Ducks at home. Virginia takes on number 10 UNC. Drake May has been really good for this Tar Heel team and Mac Brown. They get the receiver back after uh, the NCAA let him play, which is good. They're really, really good, UNC. You got to give them credit. All they've done is won football games. Yeah, UNC. Ole Miss goes to Auburn. If Auburn ever had anything in them, they got to find a way to win a football game, but they won't. Ole Miss will win that game. Army LSU. I really like Army to hang in this in this one. You know, we've seen it with Army playing Michigan. We've seen it with Army playing Oklahoma. A lot of the teams aren't ready for the military academies, and a lot of teams aren't ready to play, you know, assignment football on defense for four quarters every play. You know, like, yeah, some teams prepare for 
packages with a wildcat or you know maybe possible triple option look or option looks and all that kind of stuff or rpos but it's not every snap every offensive possession for four quarters i think army hangs on in this one i don't think they pull it out but don't be shocked if this is a game in the second half now it could be 21 nothing lsu but who knows south carolina against mizzou Mizzou's been a good football team. They've won a lot of games. Give them credit. South Carolina with Rattler. A lot of people expected more from them. I think I did even a little bit more too, but they haven't been good. Mizzou's been good at home. Find a way to win a football game. Number 22, the Air Force Academy takes on Navy. You got to take service academy unders. Everybody knows that, so we'll take that in that one. Iowa hosts Minnesota. This is a bad game. Again, a lot of people talking about a possibly 10-1 Iowa team coming out of the Big Ten West with one of the worst offenses in the history of college football. I don't know. North Texas takes on number 23, Tulane, and UCLA's back in the top 25 uh, after they beat Oregon State, right? So um, they're taking on Stanford. All right, weekend soccer preview. Start in the EPL. Liverpool at Anfield. Merseyside Derby. They welcome in Everton. Big, big game. What people are talking about with Klopp since he's come into Liverpool, this is the 14th time Liverpool have been the 7.30 game after an international break. The next closest team is six. So... Numbers don't lie, folks. That's There's something going on there. I don't really love it. Um, Everton have not been good. They've been better of late. They got Calvert-Lewin back. That helps, but they're going to line up to defend. Everybody knows that against the Liverpool side. Can Liverpool break them down? Sobosly has to be specialized. He's been really the whole season. I, I would love to see Endo in the six here so McAllister can actually play uh, a uh, an attacking midfield role instead of playing a six. And I expect Anfield to be rocking. It's a derby day. Those games are big. Those games are important. And Liverpool should win it. Forrest Luton could be a six-pointer when we look back on it, but Luton's really bad. Forrest have shown me, you know, enough where I like the manager a lot. He's had a lot of people come in and out of the team. He's finding still the right 11 and the right formation and all that kind of stuff. But he's getting goals. They're finding ways to win matches and get points. So I like Forrest in that one. Newcastle Crystal Palace is an interesting one. Crystal Palace, you know, with this youth-ish movement, right? Um, no Zaha, but Elise, Eze, Edward, Mateta, a lot of younger guys. A lot of players on that Crystal Palace team. Now, Newcastle's really, really good. And though they don't have as many wins as they should, um, at St. James Park, place will be rocking. I expect them to get three points. Man City, Brighton. This is a good one. Now, Deserby has had some really good results with Brighton. They've struggled a little bit recently. Um... Some teams have jumped on them, and they haven't even recovered. 
City without Rodri are a different team. Now they get him back. They still don't have De Bruyne, but Rodri in the middle of the park is a guy that breaks up the counterattacks, takes the right tactical foul without getting the yellow card and without getting sent off. Um, we've seen him score a couple bangers that have been gigantic goals for that Man City team. So him coming back after the suspension, after the red card is big. They lost pretty much every game he didn't play in. He's back. I expect him to be a huge presence in this game. Can the Brighton kind of young stars jump on City earlier? Can they keep it nil-nil for a very long time? Because without De Bruyne, Holland has been a little more human this year. I think that's obvious, right? Um, but Alvarez has been big. Foden's been playing better. So City, we know have the players. We know they have the defense. They're changing it up in the midfield a little bit, especially with Rodri being you know, suspended. Now he's back. So they get some stability back there with Rodri. And I think this one might be a tie. I think this one might be a tie. I think Brighton have a, have a big day. They have a big result. Brentford against Burnley. Burnley are not good. Burnley are going to go down. Um, they don't, like, to play the style a company wants to play, you can do that in the championship. But then when you come up to the Prem, you need Prem players. Like, they don't have enough Prem players, in my opinion, Burnley. Bournemouth Wolves. I don't think, I think it's three up, three down this year for relegation. But in another, like, maybe next year, this is a gigantic six-pointer. I don't think it is this year because Wolves with Neto and Huang and a good enough defense have gotten some results. And Bournemouth, even with some injuries, have gotten some results. So I think we get an exciting match because team both teams should go try to win that game. London Derby, Chelsea Arsenal. Arsenal... Finally beating Man City. They go on the international break. They come back with another giant game. Chelsea have shown a little bit more. Whether that's Murdoch getting a goal finally. Whether that's Sterling playing into some form. Whether that's Caicedo and Enzo working out in the midfield. They have a bunch of injuries. He's playing Cucurella left back at right back. So they have issues. There's no doubt about that. But at home against a big time rival. I could see them getting a result. I could see Poach lining them up and playing a, a, a tough style that Arteta can't unlock until possibly the last second or something where even then Chelsea could get away with a nil-nil draw. Like, I don't see this game being high scoring. I, I don't believe Arsenal is still at full strength yet with their injuries. So I think it could be a very, very interesting game. And I think it's a draw. Uh, Sheffield United, Man United. Ten hogs in trouble. But this is a this is a this has to be a road win where this is two 0 in control maybe a goal in each half or you know what I mean like they're in control of the game there's never a doubt that they could lose the game and they just find a way to get three points and move on right because 
each week with Man United. It's a different story. Uh, Sancho's not back in the team. They're not apologizing. It's an apology off between the manager and Sancho. Anthony's back in the country. He might get arrested. He might not play. We don't know what's happening. Uh, Onana's not a good keeper. They bought him. He made him the most expensive hero. He's not a good keeper. Like, so many things happening with Manchester United. But the remedy for that is go win a football game. So, they're at Bramall Lane. they got to win a football game. Aston Villa against West Ham. This is a really good match. This is a standalone game on Sunday, I believe. Um, this is a really, really good match. At Villa Park, David Moyes' West Ham comes in. West Ham with this Alvarez, Ward-Prowse, Suchek midfield. You're not going to replace Declan Rice, but Alvarez has done a nice job. They got a good enough back line. They got good attacking players. I can see them going to Villa Park and getting a result. That being said, Emery's had Villa playing some really good ball. And he's rotating the midfield. The attack is getting goals or with Watkins. So I'm going to go 2-2 draw there. Monday, Tottenham, Fulham, another London derby on the schedule here. Ange Ball has been great. Um... It's it's exciting. They're playing a different side they haven't played in a while. Um, it's not sustainable because they don't have enough players, but they're not playing in like a European competition, and they're already out of a cup. So they only got FA Cup and Prem to really worry about. So once a week right now isn't bad for them. So until the schedule picks up, like they'll be okay. But a couple injuries here or there, which they've already kind of suffered in some areas, have been tough. So, Fulham have been interesting with Silva as the manager. But a lot of people thought he was already out or he wasn't going to start the season with them. But he's there. So, he's it, it's it's weird at Craven College right now. But I expect Tottenham to win the match. La Liga, Sevilla, Real Madrid. Big, big match in La Liga, that one. Celta Vigo, Atletico. And Barca hosts Athletic Serie A. Hellas, Verona, welcome in Napoli. Inter visit Turin. Sassuolo hosts Lazio. Roma, welcome in Monza. Atalanta hosts Genoa. And AC Milan, welcome Juventus to the San Siro. Big, big match there. Bundesliga, Dortmund, Bremen. Damn starred Rebel Leipzig. Wolfsburg take on Leverkusen, who Xabi Alonso has been doing an unbelievable job managing that team. And Mites host Bayern Munich. Ligue PSG host Strasbourg. Nice play Marseille. And Monaco hosts Mets. Monaco's in first, by the way. All right. To the picks portion of the program, we start with Survivor Pool Locks. All right. 16 and 2. Sorry, Pulak's record. Pick number one. We're breaking two rules. But there's six teams on a bye. There's not a ton of games. A lot of games are weird. There's a lot of injuries. So I know I'm breaking two rules here. But I think you have to pick this game. Or it's one of the things you got to consider. Bills go to the Pats. Buffalo's a better team. 
They're in a better spot. They can block. The Patriots can't. They can catch the ball. The Patriots can't. Now, the Patriot defense concerns me a little bit. But again, I don't think the Bills offense lays like two eggs in a row. So pick number one, Buffalo in New England. Pick number two, another division game, but this is only one rule I'm breaking. And I don't think Seattle's that good. I've told you I don't think Seattle's that good. But Arizona's that bad. So pick number two, Seattle at home against the Arizona Cardinals. And then pick number three, I, I usually say no primetime games, but sometimes you got to pick them. And this is on the road, but it's not division at least, so one and a half rules, I guess you could say. But San Francisco, Monday night going to Minnesota. Minnesota's really, really bad. I understand San Francisco could have some injuries. That doesn't matter to me. Shanahan is a great coach. I expect them to go to Minnesota and work them. San Francisco, pick number three. It's Rob Kulak. So we got Buffalo going to New England, pick number one. Pick number two, Seattle at home against Arizona. And pick number three, San Francisco on the road Monday night against Minnesota. 16-2 and two survivor blocks through the first six weeks. Not bad for Zara Pulaks. Okay. So now we go to the other picks segment. The pick six. The FFF, SOSS, pick six in the National Football League for week seven. The league where they play. All right, two under 500 right now. We know 500 isn't good, but at least it's 500. But we're 17 and 19. And I'm going to go with two strategy picks. The first pick and the last pick is just the, a pick after I saw a statistic over the weekend that I think I just have to exclusively go with, and we're just going to go with going forward. So pick number one, Jacksonville, New Orleans, under 40 on Thursday night. We got injuries all over the place. Short week. Teams that don't really know each other. It's indoors, so the weather isn't a factor, but Lawrence is banged up. I expect both teams to kind of run the ball, move the clock. Not a lot of scoring. Maybe field goals instead of touchdowns if there are scores. Pick number one, Jacksonville, New Orleans, under 40. Pick number two, the Detroit Lions are going to Baltimore. And you can say, AJ, they're begging you to take Detroit. I just think they're the better team and they're going to win the football game. If they were a favorite, I'd probably take them. If they were a bigger dog, I'd take them. If they are a big favorite, I'd take them. I just think the Detroit Lions are going to go to Baltimore and win a football game because I don't love the Baltimore team. They got so many injuries. And now the Lions don't, but I think the Lions team, they've learned lessons. They've grown year to year. And they're catching three in Baltimore. I think they win the game outright. So pick number two is Detroit plus three going to Baltimore. Pick number three, 
This is an interesting one. Because Pittsburgh has been a team that backdoors with Kenny throwing touchdown passes with either wins or making it close. But I think the Rams have put it together. They're the second best team in that division. I think they still make the playoffs. And they're only three-point favorites at home. I think it's gonna it's because the Steelers fans are gonna travel. But I like Rams minus three against Pittsburgh for pick number three. Rams minus three against the Steelers at home, pick number three. Pick number four. I pretty much I think pick this game with this side every time it comes up. And I've been disappointed, but the time I go the other way and it and it and it goes over, I'm gonna be upset. So I'm picking the over again. Chargers, Chiefs, over 48. Not a lot of field goals. A lot of touchdowns. Exciting game. Both teams know they got to score. I think both defenses are talented, but I think both offenses are a little more talented. I want to see points in this one. I want to see this game in the 40s, not just the total. I want to see 45, 42, 38, 35, you know, something crazy. So pick number four, Chargers, Chiefs, over 48. Pick number five, another road underdog catching three. In a good game that I said was going to be a good game, I think. And that's the Miami Dolphins. Catching three, I think they win this game outright. Philly showed a lot of weaknesses last week against the Jets. This Dolphin offense is something that the Eagle defense has not seen. The speed, the motion, what they dictate to you as a defense. And I think their defense will have answers to what the Eagles are trying to do. So I like Miami catching three to win this one outright. So give me that. Dolphins plus three in Philly. And pick number six. Pick number one was a primetime under. Pick number six is a primetime under. San Francisco, Minnesota under 45. We're going to pick Thursday and Monday under probably going forward. I think we're going to lean on that. So pick number six, San Francisco, Minnesota under 45. I think that's 24-6 written all over it. So let's recap. Pick number one, Jacksonville, New Orleans, under 40. Pick number two, Detroit, plus three in Baltimore. I like the money line as well. Pick number three, Rams giving three at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pick number four, I think we get a shootout. Chargers, Chiefs, over 48. Pick number five, Miami Dolphins catching three. I like the money line as well in Philly and pick number six another primetime under San Francisco Minnesota under 45 Jacksonville New Orleans under 40 Detroit plus three Rams minus three Chargers Chiefs over 48 Dolphins plus three and the Niners Vikings under 45 the week seven FFF SOSS pick six
All right. So we'll get you here, get you out of here on that. We'll recap NFL Week 7 on Tuesday, College Football Week 8. Look back at the fixtures and results from the weekend of footy. All that and more on Tuesday's show. Looking forward to it. Everybody have a good weekend. Enjoy the football. I'll talk to you Tuesday. Until then, peace. Football, football, and sometimes other sports show. Sounds like me.